goes back to hundreds of years ago where we felt, you know, we're ladylike and, you know, it's not polite to ask for things and we wait for it. And that's just, it shouldn't be like that. You know, women are, you know, we, we should ask for things. We are more than deserving. We shouldn't apologize. You know, you should go for it if you feel like you deserve it. And honestly, if, if your company's not recognizing that, then maybe that's not the place for you. You know, there's other places I'd be happy to have you. So I think it just took me a while, you know, to realize that of why am I so scared? You know, what, what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is they say no. And, you know, if they do, then you try, try again. And then if not, you know, you maybe try and figure out a different path for yourself. Hi, everyone. It's Marcy Bullock. Welcome back to season three of Wolfpack Career Chats, the anchor season. A, ambition. N, networking. C, compassion. H, health, both mental and physical. O, organization, and R, resilient. Enjoy the pod. Hello, this is Marcy Bullock with Wolfpack Career Chats, and today I have Laura McAtee with me. Hi, Laura. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. Having a good day so far. Can't complain. Wonderful, wonderful. Laura, you and I met when you took my class a little while back when you were an NC State student, and you have now gone on to a very successful role as employee engagement manager and diversity and inclusion specialist at Workplace Options. Tell us a little bit about your story, how you got from being an undergraduate student at NC State University, and when you were here, I believe you were studying psychology, which Mm -hmm. is one of those areas a lot of people say, what will I do with my psych major? (laughs) Did you think you'd end up here? Oh, man, uh, probably not. I think back in undergrad, I thought I was going to go to graduate school. I thought I'd study neuropsychology. I thought I'd be in a hospital somewhere. I had big dreams for myself. Uh, but I think by um, by my senior year, I had a little bit more of a different vision. I wanted to get in the workforce. Honestly, I think I was just, I, I was ready to get out of school by that point. Um, so after I graduated, took your wonderful class. So uh, yeah, so I started at Robert Half right after school, which was very much a, you know, sales marketing position requires a lot of energy is very competitive, which was great for me because I had a lot of energy coming out of school. Uh, but then throughout that, I learned a little bit more about the recruitment side, which I realized I liked more than marketing. I liked working with candidates. I wanted to, you know, get that satisfaction of getting them a position and making them happy and, you know, fulfilling dreams for them. So I joined Workplace Options. I actually just passed my three-year anniversary. So good timing. I had that on Friday. Uh, and I joined as a talent acquisition specialist. So I was recruiting all the time. I was uh, recruiting globally. We're an international company. So it was a great experience to have. I got to recruit for, I mean, over 10, 15 different types of positions, anything from finance to clinical to wellness. Uh, so I really enjoyed that. And then Throughout that experience, I started dipping my toe into a little bit more of the engagement side of HR. So working with our career development programs, doing things like perform- managing our performance reviews, helping with uh, professional development, really anything I could get my hands on. I got my diversity certificate. So I kind of slowly started pushing myself a little bit in that direction. And I was very, very lucky to have a really encouraging boss, a great mentor. Uh, so they uh, helped me create a job description for myself and I basically pitched it, um, to our CEO and thankfully he went for it. And now I am the employee engagement manager. So I've been in this role for about two months now. 
Congratulations. That's amazing. I love the notion that you created a pitch for your supervisor. And now it almost sounds like you designed your own new job description right under their nose. How does one get the confidence? And (laughs) as my mom used to say, the chutzpah to do something like this? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. I don't know where that came from. Um, I... I think I just really took that self-advocacy for myself. I, that's one of the things I, I know I told you I'm really passionate about and I'm great at self-advocating for other people, but it took me a really long time to do that for myself. And I think it's just confidence, you know, telling yourself, you know, I can do this. I know I can do this. I've been doing this. You know, let's just make this a little bit more formal. And I really looked at the company and tried to pick areas that we hadn't developed. You know, we had a lot of people in employee engagement, like different managers doing that, but we didn't have one one person under it. We didn't have an HR division for it. So I said, why don't we have this person? You know, can I be that person? So it just took a little bit of guts and chutzpah, like you said. And I, I had an annual review with my manager about a year ago and I said, hey, you know, what's what would it be like if I went out for this? Do you think this is something I could do? And she, you know, thankfully was like, yep. So she, you know, helped me. We created a position and then the the rest is history from there. What a great story, Laura. And hearing you say this about how you could teach other people to do it, but doing it yourself was still really challenging. I know a lot of people, especially those socialized as women, oftentimes do feel as though they might not be worthy. People are judging Mm -hmm. them. Are they credible? Do they have to prove themselves? What are some of your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's... It's pretty scary, the statistics on that. I did some research like way back when, when I was actually asking for a raise, which was incredibly terrifying <laughs> um, to do. Uh, but women typically don't ask for raises. They don't ask for promotions. They don't advocate for themselves because I don't know if it's a cultural thing or kind of goes back to hundreds of years ago where we felt, you know, we're ladylike and, you know, it's not polite to ask for things and we wait for it. And that's just, it shouldn't be like that. You know, women are, you know, we, we should ask for things. We are more than deserving. We shouldn't apologize. You know, you should go for it if you feel like you deserve it. And honestly, if, if your company's not recognizing that, then maybe that's not the place for you. You know, there's other places I'd be happy to have you. So I think it just took me a while, you know, to realize that of why am I so scared? You know, what, what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is they say no. And, you know, if they do, then you try, try again. And then if not, you know, you maybe try and figure out a different path for yourself. But it's definitely very intimidating. I will say that. Well, and it's inspirational to hear your positive outcome. You did your homework. You knew, you know, when you were advocating for the salary, what you were worth. And I'm sure you had made a great contribution. So they wanted to keep you. And then with this creative idea of a new job description, tell us a little bit. Let's go back to the the salary one first. Mm -hmm. What was that conversation like? Yeah, so it's that was probably one of the most nerve-wracking moments I had in my career to be honest. Um I, you know, my first position at Robert Half, I was never in a in a position to to do that. I was only there for about a year and 6 months. Um but in this role, I the first thing I did was look up research. I looked up what are the comparables, who are who's in my position, what are they making, you know, what's the different salaries in Raleigh versus all of North Carolina versus East Coast. And I I really took probably a good hour or two um, to look that up. I actually printed out a bunch of sheets. I, I was very prepared um, with the research of the different salaries. And then I also wrote out what I thought I brought to the table uh, because I can, you know, I can sit there and say, you know, this demographic in Raleigh makes this amount, but what does that mean ultimately? You know, if I'm not bringing that same thing to the table, 
So I wrote down, you know, I've done this, this and this in the last six months, I want to take on this, this and this. And I kind of made a plan for myself. And I said, this is why I think, you know, I deserve this amount. Um, and then I presented it to her. And then it was very much a, an open discussion from there. So it just it really just took me putting my toe in the door. Because if I didn't do that, the conversation would never happen. So, so true. I'm so proud of you for that. And I think it is a very, like you said, terrifying, intimidating mm-hmm. thing to do. And people just don't want to talk about money too. It feels yeah. so awkward. Like we don't walk around with this post-it note that says, you know, <laughs> 32,000, 78,000. Mm-hmm. It's almost this taboo topic. And you, of course, did your research. And, you know, when you have proven yourself, you also have that ability to negotiate. Um, so they could have said no, they said yes. And then I had a similar thing happen with me when I was having an opportunity to get promoted at the university. Mm-hmm. I went around and believe it or not, I asked my friends how much they made mm-hmm. that were in a very similar job at a land grant university in a competitive system, which would be a counterpart to me. And with that information in hand, I was able to negotiate that. And I think you and I are confident women. We can do that. What advice would you have for anyone really that is wanting to do this? Yeah, I think that it's it's incredibly intimidating. I don't want to downplay that. It is very, very nerve-wracking, especially to talk about money, just like you said, because it's such a cliche in our society. You know, no one talks about it. It's very much mum's the word, especially in the US. Um, so I'd say it just it, it takes some time. I mean, I would say I wouldn't jump into it, like especially if you're not confident, but it just takes that small step. You know, even writing out a script for yourself. I think that really helped me. I mean, I hate to admit it, but I definitely read off of a screen um, the first time I asked for it. And it is what it is. I mean, that's what what helped me. I, I created a little word script saying, you know, I bring this, this and this. This is what I'm requesting based on X market research. And I I was on video. Um, This is during a, a team's meeting a couple of years ago. And I just read off of it. Um, I don't know if you can do that when you're in person, but that really helped me. That could be something that could be helpful. Uh, but I think just opening the door, I know it's really scary, but just the the little one phrase of, you know, I'd like to discuss salary. And then honestly, your manager might jump in. She might, he or she might jump in and say, oh, okay, great. Let's talk about it or give me more information. I mean, just the, the one phrase you can get out there and then you mute yourself and you wait for the response. Um, I think that could, that could help a lot. Absolutely. And it's interesting you talking about doing it virtually versus in person. So much of what our culture is now in the workforce is a hybrid atmosphere. So we're kind of moving from one to Mm -hmm. the other. And in your role and the roles you've had previously, you've spoken to a lot of candidates when you make them an offer about what the entry level salary is. Do you typically have some wiggle room in there? And do most people just accept it or ask if it's negotiable? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, since my company, we're global and we have a, a lot of different types of positions. We have roles that are very much internal focused, like myself, or uh, we have roles that are kind of working with clients, like account management. And then we have our production side that's very customer service focused. And some roles are set salary. There's not much we can do about it. And I do tell people when I was on recruitment, I'd say, hey, you know, I just want to tell you up front, this is not something I can move. Uh, but there definitely were times where I offered a salary and I, I knew we had a wiggle room. And that's a very hard place to be in as a recruiter because you're almost silently saying, you know, negotiate, negotiate. You know, you want them to say something. But when you're in that role and in that position, you go with what other management and what your company says. 
Um, of course, fair, you know, we don't undervalue people, but if, if you don't ask it, that you don't ask, you know, it doesn't happen. So I'd say sometimes it is said and the recruiter will be honest with you. They'll say, you know, this is not something I can move on, but always, always ask. I, I was more than happy when people asked to go back to my management and, and relay that to them. You know, I'm really just the messenger. So, uh, fight for yourself. You know, there's no problem in asking. Again, the worst thing that's going to happen is they say, you know what? We don't have any wiggle room. And then you can either accept or decline. But when you don't ask, again, you're not, you're not opening that door for them. So it's always worth, you know, broaching the conversation at least. So important for people to know that and and just to be willing to hear the yes or the no. And then they have all their information Mm -hmm. and they know what they're worth and they can come back and decide if they want to accept the offer. What about when students are receiving multiple offers and they are worried about which one to take? Let's just say they got an offer from company B, maybe not their dream company, and they're really hoping for company A. And I've heard this before, and I know you have too. Should I just take it? And then Mm -hmm. maybe later (laughs) renege, which means I changed my mind. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts ethically on that? Yeah, I, I think that's a tough one. I think it, it, it depends on the situation. I mean, if you, if you interviewed for your dream company and then, you know, a, let's say a backup and your dream company you haven't heard back from, it's been a really long time and you get an offer from B, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea to take it. Um, especially in this market, it's very, very competitive. Um, but I'd say know your worth. You know, if you really feel like that, that other company is the one for you and you have a good feeling and you want to stick it out, then do. You know, there's so many companies out there. There's so many different opportunities. And I'd, I'd hate for someone to take something and then have to backtrack because that's the worst coming from a recruitment standpoint is when you hire someone and you're really pumped and then they back out. But I'm very much, like I said in the beginning, a proponent of self-advocacy. So if you think you want that position and you want to stick it out and go for it and you don't get it, then you know what? You you waited and you tried and it just didn't work out and you can always try again. So I think it's a very hard question to answer because I think it depends on the very specifics, you know, the salaries, the benefits of both companies. But I think go with your gut ultimately. Exactly. And I think in in the situation where you aren't sure and you take it, that does put the recruiter, like you said, Mm -hmm. in such a bad situation because they stop interviewing and all of a sudden they're like, we've got a candidate. And it's almost like if they hired you and then two weeks later said, just kidding, found a better candidate. So, you know, ethically, (laughs) ethically, you really do want to remember that you'd be burning a bridge. So that's a good thing to keep in mind. Any other thoughts on self-advocacy? As far as just in the in the workforce, are there any other tips or thoughts you would have on advocating for yourself? Yeah, I think there's a time and, and place for things. Um, that's one thing I really learned about being in the workforce. And my mom always used to tell me not everything's a race. And I am a very energetic, very competitive, very driven person. So I was always going 100 miles a minute. And I think that 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 advice can be the same for self-advocacy. You know, there's a time and place for that. You know, if your manager or your mentor or your peer is maybe giving you assignments that you feel like, this isn't really my job. I don't have time for this. You know, maybe take it on, you know, do the work that way later. You don't have to. Or, you know, maybe there is a time when you're saying, oh, I should go up for that position. Like, this is my time to shine versus a month ago when you got that same role, but you were like, this just isn't the time. You know, I, I think it's just about patience and really balancing yourself and making sure that it's that right moment to really pitch yourself or take on new responsibilities versus a moment where you just it just might not be the time for that. 
The timing is so important. And speaking of which, our time has flown by. We're now at our last question. So Whoa. we're going to get, I know, <laughs> wow, uh, it's gone fast. So now we're going to get in our time machine, Laura, and we're going to move two decades into the future. What would your older, wiser self tell you today that you need to hear? Oh, gosh, great question. Uh, I should probably ask myself this on a daily basis. <laughs> probably to enjoy the moment, honestly. Um, I think especially at my age, I'm, you know, I got out of college, I was go, 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 I wanted to be the CEO, I wanted to, you know, rise through the ranks. And I think that I just need to take beat and enjoy where I am. And I'm really, I really love my company. I'm in a great position. I get the chance to work with wonderful employees. And sometimes I just need to be thankful for day to day, you know, practice some thankfulness, be in that right mindset of I'm, you know, great where I am. And I feel very lucky to be where I am instead of saying, what's my next move? What do I need to do next? So I think just taking a beat to really, you know, be happy in where I am in my life at this point. Thank you for that, Laura. 